This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.35 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana Mokhtar, Wong Xiaoning and Chong Jen Sun. Now in half an hour, we have the breakfast grill as always and uh, we have a special guest today. Yeah, and that gentleman is Scott McDonald. He is the Global Chief Executive Officer of the British Council. And actually, do you know that have been in Malaysia for 75 years? But beyond that, actually, they are also one of the major institutions that actually push forward UK's soft power, which, by the way, they rank eighth in the world, according to the Monaco magazine. But nonetheless, we're going to have a little deep dive in terms of their funding, their five-year strategy, and are they going to be back in the black very soon? Because actually they've been loss making during this COVID period. And does that mean more exams for everybody? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's a big money earner, by the way, teaching English and exams. Well, stay tuned for that conversation after the 8 a.m. news bulletin. But we are going to turn our attention now to Turkey, where current President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is described as facing an uphill battle for re-election when the country goes to the polls later this year. President Erdogan's popularity was already declining even before the massive earthquakes that hit the country earlier this month, uh, with the economy in the doldrums amplified by the president's rather unconventional monetary policies. Inflation top 80% back in October and remains at an elevated level of 58% in January of this year, while the lira has fallen 27% against the US dollar in the past 12 months. The devastation as a a result of the earthquake, which has claimed more than 50,000 lives and left millions homeless. It has raised public furor over the government's involvement in the construction sector, corruption. The World Bank has estimated that the earthquake caused some 34 billion US dollars in damages. President Erdogan and his Justice and Development Party, or AKP, have ruled the country for more than 20 years. But could his time at the top now be running out? So joining us to discuss this is Dr. James Dorsey, Adjunct Senior Fellow at the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies. James, good morning. Thanks as always for joining us. Maybe you can walk us through the main criticisms against uh, President Erdogan and his government in the aftermath of the February 6th earthquakes. Good morning, Uh, Fundamentally, it's the same criticism that we've had after almost every earthquake in Turkey in the last several decades. Um, I remember in uh, 1998 when my house in Istanbul was turned upside down by uh, uh, by, by an earthquake and the major complaint was that you had a lot of illegal construction, that a lot of construction old houses, new buildings uh, were not uh, built up to standards of uh, earthquake resistance standards, even though uh, there were, Turkey uh, uh, is, is basically built on several uh, fault lines. Mm. And exactly those complaints are the complaints that you see now. Um, this comes at a moment, of course, at which uh, Erdogan is already under pressure, um, while he still has a major, a, a significant popular base. Um, his his base has shrunk because of various factors, and he's now and and you've had criticism that he certainly in the first two days of the initial earthquakes did not respond quickly enough. Uh, what you're seeing him now is scrambling in terms of aid although there's controversy on how that is being distributed. 
and it, you see him responding in terms of uh, arrests of uh, people out of the construction industry on the charge that they had not properly constructed uh, all kinds of buildings. And James, President Erdogan has pledged to step up rebuilding efforts while the government has also widened arrests and investigations into those implicated in the collapse of buildings during the earthquakes. Are these measures enough to assuage an angry public? The proof will be in the pudding uh, in terms of the elections on May 14 as they are scheduled. Uh, first of all, the proof will be in the pudding in terms of the election outcome. Um, I would not underestimate Erdogan. Uh, he does have a popular base. That popular base is smaller than it was. The opposition is stronger. But nonetheless, a lot will depend in that election uh, on who the opposition, which really is united primarily by its opposition to Erdogan rather than by anything more cohesive than that. Uh, it will depend on who they decide to put up as their uh, primary candidate in the elections. And the second question, of course, is even if Erdogan were to lose the election, will he concede defeat? And that, I think, remains to be seen. But James, the earthquake did cause massive devastation. So does it complicate when and how elections are to be held? It clearly does. Uh, first of all, uh, Parts of southeastern Turkey are devastated. Uh, that means uh, that organizing an election is going to be difficult. People are living in tents, and they're probably going to be in tents for a significant period of time. Um, the infrastructure, roads, whatever, ha has been damaged. So this is going to be a challenge. And that may very well be the kind of argument that he will want to, that Erdogan will want to use to postpone an election, hmm. if that is the route he wishes to travel. Hmm. So when exactly will elections take place, um, uh, James? I guess what's the timeline that we're looking at? Because I understand that uh, elections are, are can't they can't be postponed too far ahead. No. Well, for, they're scheduled for May 14, mm -hmm. uh, which is a symbolic day in Turkey. Uh, the, uh, the I mean, of course they can be postponed, mm. assuming there is uh, some kind of consensus on that. Mm. Uh, May and June are, are, are months where there are historic dates, the centennial of the Republic and so on. So they, they have symbolic value and that's why the elections are being uh, scheduled for around that time. Mm. But they were clearly scheduled not with an earthquake in mind. And James, Erdogan's approval ratings were already on a decline even before the month's tragedy. What other obstacles uh, do you foresee for his third, uh, third term in office? Well, he, he's, obviously there's this handling of the earthquake. There are long-standing corruption charges. There is this hollowing out of democracy, of uh, freedom of the media. Uh, and there's uh, the major issue of nepotism and, and co corruption in his government and within his own family, allegedly. Uh, those are the issues he's that, and he's been, of course, he's been in office for a very long time. Uh, he's been in office since uh, two, almost 20 years. Uh, so there are people who feel that it's time for a change. 
so those are the issues that that uh, are the reasons why, for the for the first time, there's real doubt on whether or not he will succeed in uh, in winning this election. But there are also the very reasons, particularly the hollowing out of the uh, of democracy and his uh, increasing authoritarianism. Uh, there are real reasons to to fear that he may not accept an election defeat. Okay, uh, James, I want to build on that point, though. When you say that he may not accept an election defeat, doesn't he need the support of other branches of government to actually ignore the election outcome, be it the military or the police? He can't do it on his own, can he? No, obviously obviously there are forces that could step, could step in, mm. um, and um, that's hard to predict. He has... Uh, you know, he has used, if you go back to his early term, and, and rightfully so, he has used his past negotiations and with the European Union on EU membership. And he was in his first two terms probably the uh, e uh, Turkish leader most interested and most serious in EU membership. He used those uh, negotiations in that process to uh, gain political control of the military, which prior to that was a totally independent force. Um, so whether or not the military would step in remains to be seen. But yes, that is a factor. Uh, that is a factor, a potential factor in his calculations. And meanwhile, James, Turkey uh, is the main roadblock to Finland and Sweden's membership of NATO after negotiations were stalled in January. Do you see any progress being made on this front uh, before the Turkish elections, or could it actually just spill over to later in the year in the next government? Well, we've seen some degree of progress. That is to say that uh, Turkey seems to have made it clear that it no longer uh, opposes Finnish membership. Hmm. Uh, but is opposed to Swedish membership. Uh, and uh, so that in, in and of itself is progress. And the Swedes and the Finns seem to have agreed to uh, to go for NATO membership separately mm. so that the Finns can get in as soon as possible. Mm. I don't think that's going to move prior to the elections. Uh, also, particularly because there are uh, fissures between Erdogan and the nationalists uh, and he won't want to widen those in advance of the elections. James, thanks as always for speaking to us. That was Dr. James Dorsey, adjunct senior fellow at the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies, talking to us about the political implications of the earthquakes in Turkey earlier this month, what that means for President Erdogan. I think there's a lot to watch on this front when elections are going to be held and really whether he can hold on to uh, yet another term in office. Yeah, I, I think so far he's been lucky because if you ask me, the opposition, very divided. And I, I really find it hard to even name a leading figure within the opposition that can actually counter Erdogan's strong propaganda machine and his sheer force of personality. But the crisis in Turkey in terms of economic is real. Uh, if you look at unemployment next year, this year expecting 11% and their lira has been on a wow ride. Uh, depreciation of it has been significant. And this inflation, by the way, is official numbers. Just imagine the unofficial numbers. All right, 7.47 a.m. We're heading into some messages, but when we come back, we'll ask, are SMEs happy with Budget 2023? Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.